Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you are doing amazing. It is a privilege and honor to be with you as always. We've got a fantastic episode of the show for you. We have Edward Miller on and we are talking about the power of Ho'oponopono and the quest for enlightened living. We talk about a lot of fantastic um, topics in this show. We talk about understanding versus awareness. We go into the power of the process of Ho'oponopono, um, where it was used in um, for mental hospital patients by uh, Hugh Len, who is a PhD. His first name is really hard to pronounce, uh, but it's a really, really fascinating case study. Um, um, this Hawaiian prayer. Uh, we talk about stay, how how we should stay out of our stories, living from the inside out, how to engage in the quest, how do we improve our dialogue with ourselves, the masterful tool of breath, uh, being woke as a lifetime process. We talk about the shadow of a better belief, removing resistance, why suffering is optional, and so much more. This is a tremendous episode. I know that you're going to love it. If you want to support the show, please share this episode. That helps, especially when you're banned and shadow banned and deleted. Uh, so please do that. Um, leave a review in iTunes. That's really helpful. Thank you for those who've been leaving a review. Also consider becoming a patron. Thank you so much, James, for tossing a buck in the bucket. It really, really helps. And thank Thank you to all my patrons. I'd also like to thank George, who's been making some music for me. Thanks so much, brother. Anthony as well, who's been helping. And Sandra Kano. Uh, thank you guys. And as well as Lewis, this, these group of people have been helping me a great deal. Um, you know, when you're dealing with all this stuff from wherever it's coming from, you know, shadow bands and all those different things, uh, the people that have reached out and, and helped, it's been uh, really helpful because some days it's really, really challenging and, and disheartening when, you know, everything that you've worked for gets deleted or it's shadow banned or you, some stuff is going on. You know, my friend Joe Martino from Collective Evolution just got deleted as well. So we're definitely in the battle here and, um, you know, I appreciate everybody who's been supporting. Um, for those of you guys who want to dive deeper into the work and you want a step-by-step -step system for overcovering self-sabotage, uh, overcoming self-sabotage, strengthening your connection with spirit and designing and living the life of your dreams, check out the absolutely phenomenal Soul Compass course. You can get that for now free in the academy. I'm going to be changing it as a, as a course that will be separate very soon. So jump on in there. You're going to get it as a part of the academy and the academy has exclusive content and some amazing stuff over there. And you can get it at bit.ly forward slash mindbodyspirit21 and all the other links at mattbelair.com. Also had my site go down um, as well with some strange errors and took a day to fix all that. So it's it's crazy. Um, and because of this censorship, please sign up for the email list. Uh, go to mattbelair.com. And if you go to linktree forward slash mattbelair and you got to put the dot between the R and the E, uh, you're going to get my telegram and all those other channels. So um, yeah, so make sure you stay connected because who knows when everything else is going to get deleted. Uh, but for now, we're going to keep on trucking. And for those of you guys who want to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching and you're really serious about, you know, engaging in your life's purpose, your life's quest, your life's calling, or you want to help level up, or you want, um, you know, to do some 
things as far as peak performance training, anything that you hear in the podcast, hit me up. I know a lot of you have reached out and said you filled out the form, um, but that's when my website was broken. And so just make another inquiry and uh, we will we will get you sorted out. So uh, that's it. I got to stop yammering. I've been dealing with all this crazy tech stuff all day and I got to get this episode out to you guys because it is amazing. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, courage. Remembering that the best way to support the show is doing one kind act today for another human being. And let's get into this amazing episode with Edward Miller. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest has an extensive knowledge and experience in meditative practices and non-dual inquiry tools. This knowledge has been the foundational development of his transformative soul train sync practice. Over his 25-year spiritual journey, he has gained wisdom and invaluable training tools to help others to realize innovative meditative skills that foster life-changing results. As a student of transcendental and Buddhist meditation practices and progressive modalities of self-inquiry through non-duality, he has researched and studied many great metaphysical teachers, including Eckhart Tolle, Muji, Adyashante, Chogun Trungbe. Can you pronounce that one for me? I was looking at it. I was like, I'm going to try to get it right, but I don't know if I can say it right. You did good. Okay, cool. I'll get you to pronounce it uh, properly later. Uh, Byron Katie and others. He has been most impressed and personally transformed by the Hawaiian forgiveness teaching of Ho'oponopono. That's Ho'oponopono. What is it? Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono. You know, I see that and uh, Dr. Joe Vitale talks about it a lot. And every time I try to pronounce it, I think I do it a new way each and every time. You know, I, I tell people, just remember Ho. And then after you remember Ho, it's Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you want to just say quickly what it means? Yeah. Ho'oponopono is a beautiful Hawaiian practice. It's a, it has a law, uh, an ancient history uh, for reconciliation in the um, um, Hawaiian culture. And it was originally back in the day, I guess over 100 years ago, it was used as a mediating tool for families to solve problems. Uh, but it has evolved over the last 100 years to become a really beautiful tool for becoming um, real, becoming um, self-aware. It's just a phenomenal tool. And I've been using it for about eight years and I've shared it with many people, but I think I've added my own spin to it, which makes it even more um, heartfelt and meaningful as people learn the practice. Beautiful. Well, I'm excited to dive in. I'll, I'll finish the bio. It's probably one of the most difficult ones I've done in a bit. Um, but so you have just completed your first book, Overcoming and Embracing Soul Power. Yes. The, the step-by-step guide to soul transcendence or how to live from your true heart and not your problematic mind. Welcome to the show, Edward Miller. Thank you, man. <laughs> we got there. What's up, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. I appreciate the bio too. That was excellent. Yeah, man. Well, you've done a lot. You've done a lot of work. And, um, you know, my friend, uh, he trains with a lot of Buddhist teachers. And sometimes the, the names aren't the easiest to pronounce. But, you know, uh, it's amazing work. The people that you've been around, how long you've been practicing, everything that you're doing sounds really amazing. So 
why don't you just start with a little bit of your journey and how you got to where you are today, and we'll dive into the book, uh, okay. Hapona Pono. I don't know if I got to try. Well, you know, I have been a, a student of self-awareness ever since I was in my teens. I was kind of an odd guy. My parents didn't understand me. I was more interested in, in looking out the window at, um, at school than actually listening to the teacher. I was kind of like very introspective, even as a kid. Um, but I was also bullied and, um, and teased because I was fat and I was a little odd. Is that that's true? Okay, fat and a little odd. So I, I always felt like an outsider, and I grew up dreaming of an ideal Ed Miller, some some um, guy that was smart and loved by the women and and appreciated by everybody. But it certainly wasn't me, because what I was is I was a low performer, I was fat, and I was very unpopular. So I, as I evolved, as I got older, I. Uh, became very aware that um, of this concept of fake it till you make it, pretend. So I started pretending in my 20s. And I was pretending to be successful. I was pretending to be self-aware. I was pretending to be um, um, high self-esteem. I was pretending all these things. I was doing most of my life. And as a result, I became very successful just by pretending. You know, um, fake it till you make it is what they say. But inside, I was a mess. I was very insecure. I was always um, very concerned about my um, worthiness. And I, every situation, business situation I was in, I was always feeling as though I was inadequate or um, I somehow wasn't enough. So no matter what my success was, no matter what I achieved, it was never appreciated by me. I was just always kind of in pursuit of things that always fell flat for me. And by the time I got into my, into my mid-50s, I was wrung out. I had developed a big business. I had a, about 170-something employees, and I was just consumed with being Mr. Miller and uh, being the boss. But inside, I was breaking down. Uh, my back started breaking down. My high blood pressure started breaking down. And I wanted another chance. I wanted to have another life. So I started exploring um, different meditation techniques. I'd always been a transcendental meditation person, which is really good for kind of centering you and grounding you and making you aware of the spaciousness. Uh, but I didn't know how to use that um, to become more self-aware. I just didn't know how to. So I got, was introduced about 12 years ago to the, um, we talked about the Joe Vitale um, practice or the Joe Vitale introducing Ho'oponopono. And that changed my life. Um, I started doing a lot of internal work, uh, becoming aware of what I was bearing, becoming aware of, of the stories that I was telling myself about myself. And I quickly realized that I was spent my whole life terrorizing myself with a lot of stories of inadequacy and, and, um, and regret. And I needed to find another approach. So whole point was perfect because it became uh, a new self-talk became a new dialogue with myself that was much more encouraging and loving and supportive. So what I did was, because I was a meditator, I decided to develop some tool that'll take that whole ponopono, which is, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me and thank you. Again, it's, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. That's the mantra. I started taking that into deep meditation and using the, uh, the binaural and isochronic uh, uh, brainwave to kind of ground it or, or, or ground it into my subconscious mind. 
And I'm telling you, it almost, almost within a few months, I started having a different relationship with myself. And, and I tell people who, who do the internal work, the self-love work, they're becoming aware of what they're bearing. It'll change the way you, re way you relate to yourself, but it will most of all change the way you see the world. Because Ho'oponopono is about um, the only person that exists is yourself. There is no other. And that the other is just a reflection of what you might be either suppressing or, or disidentifying with. So the Ho'oponopono mantra and the practice allows you to start seeing everybody as you. And it's just a beautiful way of relating to yourself and, and to the world. And it's been a real gift to me. Beautiful. So I incorporated I that mantra and that practice into my, into my groups. And I, I have gotten a lot of people very uh, excited about just changing the relationship they have with their own self-talk. And many of them have been opened up and healed. Because one thing about Ho'oponopono, which is very interesting, is that once you start doing that, that internal work, things start being released, you know, subconscious thoughts, memories, uh, you start to become aware of, of your stories that you, um, that you bear in your psyche. Um, you, and you start becoming aware of how some of those stories and some of those uh, old belief systems, you, you still bear in your psyche. And the Ho'oponopono mantra gives you an opportunity to release them, because that's what Ho'oponopono is all about, releasing them to zero. And non-duality talks about releasing them to the self. And Buddhism will talk about releasing them to zero or nothing. And all of those are basically the same thing, but your identity changes. You stop becoming a person and you start becoming conscious awareness. And that new identity is very empowering. You know, the, the persona can bear all kinds of things. It can bear stories and trauma, but as conscious, as conscious awareness, I'm free and open and available. So that's kind of how I've evolved over the past um, 15 years. That's amazing. I've been blessed, I've been blessed to share that with a, a lot of people. Yeah, that's, that's really beautiful. Um, you know, I'm familiar with Ho'oponopono. I'm curious, was it Dr. Joe Vitale that made you aware of it at first? And yeah. okay, that's cool. Um, and if so, which is a yes, because he already answered it. Um, do you recall that story that he shared something about like a psychiatrist doing this? For yeah, let me, give, let me give, let me, let me give you. Isn't that nuts? It's a crazy story. And I did research on it because I wanted to find out what the hell. Wow. Um, but, let me, but let me give you the short version of the story. Um, there was a hospital in Hawaii that was um, set up for the criminally insane. And they invited um, Dr. Hulen which was in that time in, in the United States, in Ohio, at a university as, their, uh, as a professor. And they invited him to be the director of this hospital in Hawaii. So he said, okay, I'll come to Hawaii and I'll direct the hospital, but I'll only do it if you guys agree to let me do it my way. So he went to this hospital and started um, changing the hospital, mainly by working with his own self. He would go into his office and close the door and have all the, the records and files of all the inmates. And he would spend his time cleaning, cleaning. But he was only cleaning in himself. And within a short amount of time, the hospital supposedly transformed. And many of the patients that were having lots of problems, supposedly this hospital was one of the worst of the worst. The, the uh, staff was quitting all the time. The, um, 
they couldn't, uh, it was just so unmanageable. There was fights and violence. And within a very short amount of time, the whole energy of this hospital changed where the staff was working together, the, the, um, the, the uh, patients were all of a sudden uh, finding themselves more manageable in this hospital. And within, I guess, a two-year period, uh, everything had changed so much that they, they decided that they, needed, they didn't need the hospital any longer because he had made such a significant impact on the energy and on the love and on the, you know, on the conditions of the hospital. So when I heard that, and you know, Joe Vitelli just supports and promotes and supports and promotes that, that story. But then you have to hear Dr. Hulen's version of what happened. And it sounds so beautiful. And he's so pure in how he used the practice. So I read everything I could about Dr. Hulan, and, and then I started reading everything about the practice of, of, of Ho'oponopono. And it, it's a, something that you have to take very intimately into your, into your own heart. It can't be something that, you, that becomes rote in your mind. I'm sorry, I love you, please give me thank you. It's an experience with yourself. And as you relate to yourself with this new mantra of, I, again, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. As you start to relate to yourself in this new way, the, world's, um, the world starts to transfix. Things start to open up. You start to, to feel things and see things differently. The book that I wrote, and we can get into that at another time, but the book that I wrote is really about how Ho'oponopono and non-duality were tools that I used to do, just really take me to higher levels of self-awareness. And it's been a beautiful ride. That all sounds fantastic. I would love for you to get into the book. And, you know, when you're talking about the uh, Ho'oponopono, I, I did a phonetic, so I, so I got it. Uh, well, I, have to, I, I do have to say it again. <laughs> um, you know, I've heard of really fascinating stories like that. And I love how you found the person who the story was about to go confirm it. Because when people hear stuff like this, they're like, I don't know, that's not, especially one of my skeptical buddies, Ian, shout out if you're listening to this. Um, but, you know, he'll listen and, and I'll tell him these stories. He goes, ah, I don't know about that. Even, even if it's like uh, something that I experienced, but it is, it sounds a little bit wild. And when I read, you know, what I consider to be very high level spiritual books, they say those same things like we're creating the whole universe, right? Yes. You can only experience it through a first person reality. Even Absolutely. when you look at physics and simulation theory, it's like everything is outside of you. You're generating that. And that's a very empowering perspective. Really? But the challenge is uh, if you're experiencing things you don't want, it's disempowering and you, you don't want to take accountability for that um, experience. And so I feel like this is one of those practices where you can look at some of the things you don't want in your life. Uh, like you talked about that internal dialogue, and I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit. So many of us are so vicious to ourselves in our minds and, and, and we wear masks like you were faking it till you make it so you can adapt to this reality and, and maybe fit into other people's ideals. And when you do that, you're not liberated because it, it has to do with whatever is outside of you. But if you can start living from the inside out, that's where liberation is, awakening yeah. is, enlightenment is, however you want to phrase well, or understand living, that. Living from inside out is the real true work that we all need to be doing. Because the only thing that really matters is how we're perceiving things. If we're perceiving things in peace and love and opportunity and oneness, then that's what we're, that's how the world's going to be seen. We're going to see the world. We're going to see the opportunities. We're going to see love. We're going to see caring for each other. And everything else is just being perceived, but we're not buying into it. 
you know, one of the things about non-duality, uh, and it's a beautiful, and I love practicing non-duality, especially with the whole opponent opponent. Non-duality is about recognizing that you're the self, that you're the divine, that you're the spacious awareness, and that you don't have to identify with the persona any longer, because the persona is just a construct in your mind. It's just a belief system. Uh, nothing that comes from mind is real or true. So you can always be refuting whatever stories of resistance that your mind comes up with. You don't have to bear anything. You could, um, you know, right now we're in a, a highly intense time in the world, not just in this country. You know, we're, there's a lot of drama going on over the whole planet. And with the whole Ponopona practice and, and non-duality practices, you're able to really see internally what you're resisting, what this really means to you. Not what is meaning to this person or that person or this politician or that circumstances, but how you're evolving through this. And this has been a beautiful time for me because I've, um, in this COVID, in this moment of contraction, I've had incredible, I'm not, don't say I'm not, I'm not saying I haven't been, been feeling the contraction because we feel everything. We feel everything, but I don't bear it any longer. I don't take it on with the story. I just become aware of it energetically and allow myself to take on energies and allow them to release without a story because if we can stay out of a story we can stay free if we can stay out of our belief system we can stay free we just have to be aware that thoughts come and go well did i lose you uh-oh uh-oh hold on everybody oh there we go I th you're back. You, you stopped at your thoughts come and go. Yeah. Your th our, thinking, our thinking mind is always. Shoot. And when we start to pay attention to thoughts and realize they're all just thoughts and not even the good thoughts are worth clinging to, we're just free. We're just in flow. We're seeing things. We're becoming aware of things. And we're allowing life to unfold as it does without trying to tell ourselves a story about it. It's our stories where we suffer. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's uh, attaching meaning to everything, right? Good yes. or bad. And so everything that we experience is like, oh, this is good, this is bad. And I love the, uh, that old story of the Zen farmer where uh, he has a neighbor, right? And his uh, horses run away and he says, oh, th what bad luck. And he says, maybe. Then the horses come back with new horses. And he's like, oh, well, good luck. And he says, maybe. Then his son breaks in the horses and breaks his leg and the, he comes back over and says, oh, what bad luck. And he says, maybe. And then maybe. the army comes to conscript him and he says, oh, what fortunate luck. And he says, maybe. And so he's, it's, it's also the idea of, I think, non-resistance and non-judgment, which is incredibly hard because that's what our mind naturally judge, uh, does. And I don't think judgment's bad. I think it's the attachment to the judgment because yeah. we need to like judge if this person might not be the greatest person to be a babysitter for my daughter. That's a judgment, um, you know, but it's not staying in that. We kind of need that thing. And I feel like that's an important distinction. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I do. But I, I still think that we as a human um human beings spend a whole lot of trying a lot of time trying to understand and trying to reason when what we really need to do is become aware our minds will get caught up in trying to understand things that are not to be understood they're just to become aware of so i spend a lot of time um just getting clear on what i'm feeling about things you know how how is this not to the point where i'm looking for understanding for the point I'm looking for how I'm, how it's relating to me, how I'm feeling about it. 
you know, how, how it affects me from an energetic standpoint. Does it make me feel good? Does it make me feel contracted? You know, I, I stop putting labels of good and bad and right and wrong on things. And I allow myself to express life energetically. And with that, I don't cling to anything. I don't cling to problems. I don't cling to circumstances. I stay in the flow. And I certainly don't try to understand everything because most things aren't worth understanding because understanding is just a more mind activity. Your mind is always looking to try to um, um, prove something that you already believe. So it's already going to support what you already believe anyway. So it yeah. doesn't make sense to get caught up in too much of that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a, a large portion of our, our mental thinking, just running on this treadmill and trying to understand things that we will never understand. The universe is far more mysterious than we could possibly imagine. And even if you go into the sci scientific realm, we get into quantum physics and things get really weird over there and, and, and they don't know everything for sure. And if you look at history of medicine and physics and all of that, it changes really rapidly with our awareness. And so what I wanted to ask is something that I agree with and struggle with um, is the intentional creation of a reality and then also the resistance. Uh, so let's, you have a daughter and I'd like to provide it for a good life. So that's a desire. And I remember when I was uh, meditating with the monks in Nepal, I kind of told them something similar about a, the book that I wrote. I said, Hey, I want a lot of people to read this because I think it could help. And they said, that's not desire. And I said, what do you mean? They said, because it's not for you. You're trying to give something, but you just don't get attached to the result. He's like, you can intend it, but you're not getting attached. And so he's like, that's why you can get dragged by your thoughts and, and uh, your expectations. And so how do you merge those things where I'd like to create and contribute, but also surrender to the bigger forces? Yeah, well, you were right about uh, the intending. We can intend all kinds of things. That's what this um, human experience is about, intending, intending to love, intending to create, intending to share, intending to express yourself. You can, you can have all that. The problem is, is that we cling to things in a story that's often a problematic story that keeps us small. And if you can keep your mind open and flexible and be willing to see things differently and not so quick to buy into a story, even your own stories, not so quickly to buy into stories, you can always stay in flow. You're always in an open um, space of re-examining things, uh, seeing things aren't what you thought they were. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a way of living where you're not caught into. Now, my wife sometimes tells me I'm all over the place. <laughs> Because I can be in, I can see it from this angle and I can see it from this angle and I'm not caught into any way of looking at it because it's just a thought to me. And, and I guess to some people, when you're open and flexible like that, it may sound like you're flaky, but I think I'm, I get, I feel I'm more heartfelt. I feel as though I'm more open to see other people's point of view because I'm not so convinced and committed to my own point of view. I'm always looking for another way of seeing things. I'm always excited about a new point of view that's outside of mine because it gives, me, it gives me greater awareness. And it's all about finding or being having access to greater awareness. Not finding, you don't have to find anything. You just have to get your mind out of your judgmental mind and realize that, that assessing, judging, assessing practices we humans are in is futile. It doesn't really get you anywhere. We think it does, but it really doesn't. You know, I, I tell people, you know, I'm, looking, I'm just looking for a better way of seeing this. I'm just looking for a better way of seeing this. Even a better way of seeing this, things has a dark side. So it stays, it makes sense to just stay open and don't look for a better way of seeing things. Just look for 
being true to yourself and allowing your attention to flow wherever things are, are wherever there's an opportunity to love. And I'm much more committed to that. I'm much more, um, my, that's more of my intention to find where there is the love. Where is the opportunity to care for somebody? Where is the opportunity to care for myself? Where is there, when is there an opportunity to let myself off the hook? Those are the more important practices. Everything becomes more internal instead of you're, you don't have so much judgment about the world anymore because the world is just what it is. It's not wrong. It's not right. It may be stressful at times, but that's just an interpretation too. Um, life is just what it is. And it gives you an opportunity to see the beauty and love in it when you step out of your judgmental and assessing mind and, and, and reside back into your heart. I love it. I agree philosophically. So I'll, I'll throw another question yeah, at you that I, that I think about uh, constantly. Um, you know, one of my original inquiries was, uh, why the heck do we have starvation on this planet? Didn't make any sense to me. Um, went down that rabbit hole a long time ago. And then I look at what's happening in our world today. And I'm very curious about the causes of things. Why are things, uh, why are these things happening? What's the intention? And when you peel the layers back, you can see that there's a negative intention and there are some very powerful people with negative intentions. And uh, it usually has to do with money and power and things like that. And so I think, is there a way that I can influence that positively? And if I ignore it completely, can I still make a change? Because even though I've been aware of starvation, I've been aware of human trafficking, I've been aware of fallen Dafa, um, and I'm aware of some of the stuff going on with the coronavirus that may not be uh, ideal in any way, at least my perception or judgment of it. Um, I'm not able to really go and push a button and affect it and say, hey, here's the solution and now let's do that. But I want to participate in the solution. And I feel like if I'm, if I'm not aware of it, how am I going to provide the solution? Like, you know, sticking my head in the, in the blinders. And I feel like if we were all had a little bit more awareness, maybe we could come up with a solution. And how, so how do you navigate you, that? When you, when you say awareness, you mean more knowledge, more information? I guess like, you know, if we, if we knew that 9.1 million people are starving to death and that's true, if it is indeed true and we can verify that, how do we come up with the solution without being aware that it exists? Or how do we, how do we say if like, let's say something's coming down the pipe of, you know, the forced vaccine agenda or whatever they have out there. Cause I look at all that stuff and maybe they don't do the practices or protocol necessary to make sure it's safe. And they, you know, they put on more and strict enforcement and travel, things like that. It's not a positive thing. Is there a way that we could, you know, I want to think about a, those old worlds you imagine like Atlantis or if the world made sense and everybody was cooperative, is that possible? Or have I just been, you know, just living in this pie in the sky, you know, eudaimonia type of, uh, I forget the word for it, but, uh, you know, too positive, uh, Pollyanna for too long. And, and it's well, not even possible. possible. I, I think that non-duality allows you to look at everything. It allows you to look at the terrorizing things that's going on, on on this planet and this human experience. It allows you to look at all the glorious things that are going on on this planet. And I really do believe that, that you know, unless you're passionately um, called to participate or to affect or to uh, help change, I think it's, it's enough just to be aware and be aware that there, there are going to be those that want to... Um, uh, um, go after the, uh, the, the change and, and make it happen. And then there are those who want to be, have their hearts open and be aware of what's going on. Being open-hearted and aware of all of the things that's going on in consciousness doesn't mean you have to bear any of it. It means you have to just be aware of it. And I, and I really am, I'm not a, 
I used to be a guy that was, you know, thought that you had to understand everything and be aware of all the ins and outs and research it till it made sense to you. I don't, it's not my thing anymore. My thing now is to just, is to love and to look for opportunities. So for example, if we're talking about something, some, some, um, some, um, let's talk about the Corona. You know, I understand that right now in consciousness, everybody is a little afraid. Everybody is, they're, they're doing things they're not used to doing. They're being contracted. They're staying at home. They're afraid. They are, um, uh, um, their lifestyle is being affected. You know, I feel that. I can feel that people are in resistance to that. And I do also, because of my awareness, I do also know that this is just a moment. This is not forever. And that if people allow themselves to be aware of this contraction and be aware of th that there's a lot of fear going on in the world, that they don't have to bear it themselves. And that allows them to see the world differently. And I think it really allows you to be more compassionate to the world because you don't feel as though anything you have to fix or repair or, or respond to. You just, you just have your heart open for it. And you uh, feel... When you see people who are struggling, you, you can your heart is open for them, and you can feel their um, their trauma, or you can feel their 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 pain. But you don't have to take it on. You can you can allow yourself to love them and give them peace, and you can also relate to their where they're at. So if they're feeling overwhelmed, if they're feeling terrorized, you can be aware of that because you also have had those feelings too. But you don't have to bear them. You don't have to bear anything. And I think being, being self-aware means always allowing yourself to, to see everything, but not take anything on. Uh, from the corona to what's going on in politics to what's going on with starvation, we can be aware of all of that. And when we're for, and passionately inspired to do something, do it. You're passionately inspired to uh, feed somebody, do it. If you're passionately inspired to, to lead a cause, then do that. But if it's not yours, just be, keep your heart open for it. Just keep your heart open for what people are experiencing and what they're going through. And don't, you don't have to bear it so personally. You just don't. And, it, and, when, and if you can love people from your own vulnerable heart, you're giving them some spacious awareness also. You're not so much bearing their, uh, their wounds so that you have to, you know, so that it becomes a trauma for both of you. You know, one of the things as a life coach, I'm very aware of is that, you know, people come in and they're so consumed with their problems and their point of views that, that bear on their heart so much. And my technique has always been asking questions about how they feel. And my job is to just create the space for them to, to be open and to see it and possibly see it differently. And when you're able to create the space for an evolutionary point of view, people are open for seeing it differently, especially if you point them toward the opportunities to see it differently. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, um, the perspective, and I don't like it at the same time, just because I feel sometimes like, uh, you know, like I, I want to do something. And I remember talking about all these ideas with a friend of mine, and we would just discuss the world and learning about all this horrible stuff we didn't know about when we were young, because we didn't have the internet, we didn't research, we didn't know what was going on. I was like, do you know all this stuff? This is insane. Like a lot of people are being very seriously harmed. And I remember one discussion, he just said, you know, you don't have to put the whole world on your shoulders. And, and that's what you kind of do when you research this stuff, or I do it unconsciously or whatever the case is. But when I think about if this is a true statement or not, you know, if you're hiking in the woods and your friend breaks his leg, you don't break your leg too 
to get them out. You, you stay strong. And so I feel like that's a good representative of kind of what you're saying is like, you don't have to embody that. You need to stay strong. I'm a black American. I was born and raised in Southside Chicago. And I'm very aware of what it means to be a black man in America. And I'm very aware of Black Lives Matter. And I'm very aware of some of the trauma that's going on in the communities that are, you know, that are all over the country. I'm very aware of it. And, and it's so disappointing to see uh, what um, these families are bearing with the abuse that, that are going on with these youth, black youths, or not just youths, you know, black people, period. And my point of view about that is that I just want to feel there, I want to feel the, 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 the compassion that's being created right now around the planet about this. I am so fascinated with the idea that people all over the world are connected with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I tell you, Matt, two years ago, nobody would have said a darn thing about Black Lives Matter. But now it has arisen in human consciousness to the point where it's transforming people. They're feeling connected to people on the other side of the planet that are bearing oppression. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's, a, I think it's an evolutionary awareness. Um, now, I can sit and get mad about it and want to protest and, and, and talk about how unfair it is and how horrible it is. I can take that route. And there are those that, that do take that route. Or I can create the space for a loving way of looking at it. Because I do think this is an evolution. I think Black Lives Matter is an evolution for the planet. And I think it's not just a personal evolution for this country, but it's a way of people recognizing that everybody heart is important and needs to be expressed and everybody and, and you know a lot of people talk about I, I don't want to simplify with every life matters but we are we do need to be clear that the underclass the poverty class is needs to be recognized and supported on this planet there needs to be a new way of dealing with people who are struggling instead of the old way the old oppressive way where we don't want to see them, we don't want to deal with them, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and that's the way we're going to deal with it. But now we need to see it all. We need to see all the little dirty spots. We need to see all the trauma because that allows us to be more self-aware. We don't have to bear it. We don't have to take it on as our personal cause, but allowing our minds to, be, to see it and be aware of it is so heart-engaging. Uh, it really is to listen to somebody who's struggling with their stuff uh, because they're caught into a story and we can relate to that. That's beautiful, but we still don't have to take it on. We don't have to go around being angry about it and ready to react to it. We can just be aware and see it and, 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 and offer a word of love and encouragement whenever there's an opportunity. But my cause is not Black Lives Matter, but I know there are that, uh, that, that there's their cause. And I, I applaud that because it's always good to have the world working toward the evolution of, of, our, of our consciousness. But take on what's yours. Mm. Yeah, we can't do everything. And there's definitely a lot with uh, the Black Lives Ladder thing that I'm not going to go into in depth just because it's, we don't have enough time and it's, it's a redirect. But I work with uh, Native Americans as well, and this, and what happened in the uh, school systems and the systematic oppression, and actually how they. Um, I learned how basically now a lot of the tribal leaders in the states is basically now their government. Um, what are the front runners? So they they're the leader of the tribe. They get most of the money, and it's not fairly distributed. So there is 
serious oppression. And, and like I even said for the coronavirus, there's 9.1 million people sti- uh, starved to death. And we have uh, 400 million people in human trafficking conditions with 80,000 kids a year in the States going missing. So there are problems. Um, now, how we deal with those problems as a humanity is one thing and, and uh, how things get politicized and, and then what happens is another. And so that's where information is helpful, but in perspective is helpful. But I think that what we're seeing now, so that's so challenging is divide. You know, we have, we have a stronger divide than ever before, but in, in everything, like uh, I've never seen the world like this, whether it's coronavirus on mass or black lives matter or uh, right versus left. And is the middle ground is being much more harder to find. And so. Isn't that guess, beautiful? I don't know. <laughs> Tell me yeah, why. I don't know. That's not what I thought. Well, we lived in a world where everything, all this stuff was at the bottom of the pot. And now things are popping up and boiling over and we're getting a chance to see all this. That's a gift. That's not a problem. You know, what's going on now has been going on for centuries in the world. Oppression and abuse. It's been going on forever. And now, because we're in a consciousness that that, that kind of stuff is popping up and, and the world is seeing it because of the internet and the, you know, the co- communications that we're in right now. It's not, um, it's, it's still, it's always there, but we get a chance to see it and become and relate to it from a standpoint of our humanness. But it doesn't mean that we have to fix it all. And it doesn't mean we have to let it, we have to bear it personally ourselves. You know, in this new age, I do think that it, it's more important that we do become aware of, of everything. We become aware of all the stuff that's bubbling over, uh, we, bubbling up, uh, in consciousness, and that we allow ourselves to feel, self-awareness is allowing yourself to feel everything and not being afraid of feeling everything, but you'd feel it without a story. I can tell myself a story about how horrible this is and how terrible it is and how this happens to me and, and I had, you know, I can tell myself lots of stories. I can't take this anymore or I can just be aware and realize that people are in pain. And people are being paid for specific reasons, but those reasons don't have to be anything for me to bear either. Yeah. Okay. So I got a question to that. Um, <laughs> that's like that. I agree. So what if you're one of those people who is suffering directly? Maybe you've lost your job for coronavirus. Maybe you're being oppressed by a certain people. Um, you know, and actually, you know, Brian Francis, who's one of my, uh, he's a Mi'kmaq Native American. The stuff that he tells me in, in the research he did on the documentaries for the school systems. I can, it's the most horrible stuff you could imagine. And so what if it's happening to you directly? Do you think that you can use these tools to shift what your experience is? Or if it's a, maybe a negative experience like the farmer story to just go through that um, in a more empowered way because uh, some of the stories that are they're coming out from my community are, are pretty challenging with you know, losing their jobs and they're just, they're just unsure um, of what's going on and there, there's a reason and they want to know if, if this is a good reason, you know, and, and so they, they what struggle. Mean, what, with do you mean, what do you mean there's a reason? Like, uh, you know, let's say the coronavirus lockdown, right? That's the reason that now they can't go to work and now they can't uh, provide for their families. So they're stressed out. So that's the reason. And then when they start to dive into that, there's some questions there that, you know, the decisions aren't supporting them. There's no way for them to support themselves. And so they're left with very few options now. Well, let me, let me say this to you. Uh, I, for 17 years, ran uh, four charter schools in the worst communities in South Florida. You know, most of the kids that were there were, were very poor and their families were very poor and they had nothing. And I um, started these schools and I ran these charter schools. And for, for many years, I bared the 
life stories of the kids and the families that I was servicing. And I realized halfway into it that me bearing all their stories so heavy and on in my heart uh, didn't, didn't put me in the best position to be advocates for them. I wasn't in the, I wasn't, I was, I was so angry and disappointed that I wasn't able to see things in an, as an opportunity. I was so caught up in the wrong of it, I didn't see where you know, I could provide a new way of looking at it and give people a whole way of responding to it, which would bring more resources and give more access to. You know, we have to be very aware of what we're, we're, ta we're taking on people's um, uh, crap that's not ours. And we can still be of, of assistance, we can still be of service to, but we don't have to take it on. You talked about um, um, someone who, lost their job in Corona. You know, you got, you got to feel for that, especially when they're head of the household and they're trying to feed their children. And, and you got to understand that's probably very scary, you know, and, and you, but even those people that are um, caught up in that trauma need to be very consciously aware of how they're relating to themselves during that moment. Because that, how they relate to themselves during that moment will outpicture the opportunities that are in front of them. And if they're taking it on as, you know, it's never fair, I never get my way, I, things are hard, um, uh, this is too much to bear. Did you know the mind is gonna recreate that over and over again for you to believe and see? But if you can put your attention on where is the opportunity, and maybe this is a time for me to redefine myself, and maybe I need to see things in a greater way, and, and if you just change the language that you have with yourself, the world will change also. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have been through situations where they think things are very bleak and they're done, they're cooked. And, and a moment occurs which opens everything up. Well, that moment is still from their own minds. And if you can direct your mind toward love and opportunity and change and being aware of what you're resisting, what you're afraid of, what, you, what you're, the beliefs you're caught up in, you can start to really transfix your own heart but also the world is transfixed also at the same time. And you start seeing the opportunities to love. You start seeing the opportunities to be a helping hand. You start seeing the opportunities that you can contribute to something toward a solution without bearing it. I'm gonna say that over and over again, without bearing it in your own heart. But it does start with Matthew, with, the, uh, with your relationship with yourself. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I think right now it's a, like a master class and applying that because it's just very, very challenging to do with what's going on in the world. And, you know, even when I would teach kids, you know, if I try to frame up Zen athlete and what I'm trying to share with them in that book, it's one of the ideas is that it's not so much what happens to you in your life. It's how you respond to it. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people through really intense trauma have transformed their lives um, to live extraordinary lives. And so if, if we have, if we always have a negative internal dialogue, a negative perspective, a limiting perspective, it's going to be very hard for us to um, find solutions. We're, we're going to need to be solutions based. And um, each, you know, it's helpful to keep hearing that, not bearing it, because um, if we can be examples or if we can be empowered or if we can find solutions for ourselves, it's going to show someone else the opportunity to find that solution. And so the harder it gets, it just demonstrates your own mastery and for me, I do think that there is a universal force, a God, nature, spirit, will. And if we can connect to that harmoniously with, with our intent, 
and and um, our internal dialogue, we're going to be shown away. There's always going to be a way. The truth, the truth Matthew, is, is that's who we are. The truth of our nature is that we are that opportunity, that conscious awareness, that unjudged spatial uh, awareness. That's who we are. Uh, we do in mind take on nothing but stories. Our human experience is story after story after story. But we have to start remembering the truth of who we are. And that's conscious awareness. And that's, you know, it may sound, um, what do you call it, Pollyanna, is that what you said? It may sound Pollyanna, but it's, it will absolutely get you out of tight spots. It'll actually get you out of your problematic mind. Just the remembering of the truth of who you are. Well, you know, and this is good for me because it's basically what I'm going through right now. So this is basically just a therapy session for myself. So I appreciate what you're saying. So, you know, you're somebody who's looked at some of the problems, right? Being in Florida and seeing like a lot of uh, disenfranchised people oh, and, a, and a lot of suffering and you did something in the charter schools. And so you're a person with a big heart and a positive intent. And so I guess I'll ask it in that same frame as I look forward in my life and we look forward in our own lives and we see, you know, some suffering, but also maybe some limitation in ourselves for what we might be experiencing in the environment, like our own personal challenges. Um, how do you recommend as far as maybe applying the Pono practices for empowering yourself in a meaningful and authentic way? And then also providing the service saying, Hey, you know, um, I know that that exists and I can participate in some way. I'm not going to ignore it. Um, but I'm also not going to, like you said, take it on and be drowned by it because, you know, I feel like that's what I've done in my past when I first kind of really understood the scope of some things going on and, and do now when I see a whole new kind of scope that just popped up to remember these practices. Well, you know, I, I talk about self-awareness having two tracks. The one track is the remembrance of the truth of who you are. And that's done in, often in meditation. It's always when you're caught into your uh, resistance and your suffering, you have to remember who's a sufferer, who's believing this crap, who's believing these thoughts. So that's the, 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 um, the track of self-identification um, with the truth of who you are. The other track is the, what I call the whole Ho'oponopono track, which is the recon, uh, uh, reconciling with your own heart. So a self-aware being not only is, in, is, is healing his heart, but he's also becoming aware of the truth of who he is too. So there's a dance that goes on. Sometimes you're, when you're healing your heart, you're, you're in, a, in a real evolutionary way of, of, of seeing things and, and being with yourself in a different way. And then sometimes your, your meditation allows you to really feel the spaciousness of your identity and hold yourself open and remember um, that you, can't, you don't have to bear anything. I, I don't know if you're a meditator or not, but meditation has been my tool and getting back into my body and getting out of my thinking mind. It allows me to just center myself and feel this, the spaciousness of my identity instead of the persona that has to bear and take on everything. So I'm a real firm believer in using meditation. Meditation doesn't have to be sitting and listening. It, it could be going to the beach and watching the waves. It could be taking a walk and just kind of being with nature it can be uh, sitting in the shower and letting the water run on your back and neck for a moment to feel that spaciousness. But you've got to start relating to that spaciousness, that uh, no mind, that um, place where there are thoughts and evaluation and judgments don't exist. You have to start allowing yourself to relate to that space because that's the truth of who you are. But when you are healing your heart, become aware of, of what you're bearing 
become aware of, you know, and I, I want to talk about one other thing. You know, this, we have a tendency to take on little stories like, you know, I should have done this or, um, uh, um, you know, why did they do this to me? And, and just little stories that we take on and they can take us into mind and just explode and we'll get caught up in a whole bunch of stories. If you learn to take on the, become aware of the little stories that get you get caught in the sticky stories and bring them back to love and use the Ho'oponopono mantra. And you ask me that, how do you use the Ho'oponopono mantra that? Thank you, thank you for the awareness that that's just a story, that's nothing to bear. Please forgive me for hanging on to something that's not even true. It's just a thought, it's just an idea, it's just a belief that my mind can get caught up in. Thank you, thank you, I love you. I love you for knowing the truth of who I am. I love you for realizing I am, I love you. I am whole, I am complete, I am everything, I am nothing. And I think when you start to use the whole Ho'oponopono mantra in that way, thank you. You know, when you start using the whole Ho'oponopono mantra as, as a, as a uh, lifestyle choice, you just are always so focused on, your, on the awareness of your own heart, awareness of your own mind. And I feel that's been my tool, moment by moment. You know, I'm sitting in traffic, somebody annoyed the hell out of me because they, they, they turned in front of me. I can go into, you know, this traffic is fucked. I don't like this. This is not what I wanted. I'm going to be late. Or I can square with myself and breathe and say, I love you. And just center back into myself. Center back into my, my heart. And allow myself to be aware of some of the problematic thoughts that will come in without clinging to any of them. And, but that is a practice. It's a yeah. moment by moment uh, practice that you have to be committed to. You know, being woke, as they say nowadays, being woke is not a moment. It's a lifetime practice. Nobody gets woke and now I'm woke. You know, what happens is they commit themselves to the practice of becoming more self-aware. And that is something that I think we, in consciousness right now, a lot of people are getting. And a lot of people, and just like you are with this podcast, are vehicles, are vehicles for the evolution. They're giving people a chance to see things in a new way and relate to themselves in a new way and, and, not, and, and not get caught up in their problematic minds so much because that's how we become the solution. That's how we're able to see things a little differently in more loving ways. When we're not so caught up in our, you know, what's wrong and it shouldn't be like this and these people are, you know, oppressive and we got to change... That at the end of the day just gets you caught up in more thinking and understanding and reason, which there really isn't much freedom from. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think it's like, you know, resisting, you know, it's a, it's a lot of resistance and what can we, what can we control? Uh, I think the serenity prayer is a really powerful one. It's like, show me the wisdom for the things I can change and the things I can't or something like that. And, yeah. and yeah. so, you Unless know, you being, try to change the better. The less you try to change, the better. Well, the best you like the, in, the, less, the less you feel you have to change in the world. You want to right. be aware of changing and evolving in your own heart, in your own self. Yeah. I don't. I'm not. I. I. You know. I, I. I. There was a time when I would was a fighter and I went after the causes and I was the first one in line and I was taking on all the burden and I tell you, Matthew, my body bore all that, my back bore all that, my blood pressure bore all that. My anxiety broke, uh, bored all that. My sleep would bear all of that. And now, you know, I feel more available. And my clients and the people that I connect with feel my open spaciousness and they feel 
energized by that also. And that's more encouraging to me uh, than to have to be the guy that, you know, we have to talk about their problem and how are we going to fix it and how they need to fix it. Um, it if you can create the space with people, that loving, uh, spacious, um, energetic uh, space with people, you're giving them an opportunity to see it differently without even telling them what the answer is. Yeah, and it reminds me again with the conversation I had with one of my uh, really good friends. He, we were discussing these ideas and he said, you know, it's basically you can either spend the time trying to tear something down that you don't want, which will take time, which will take energy, which will take thought. Um, and will and emotion and you're going to get an experience from that or you can take the time to build something up that you want which will take time which will take energy which will take will and if it's of your own conscious choosing it's going to be a different path both both are accessible right yeah. um you know if like if you know the flood is coming you can sit there and fret about it and and and, and yell at the rain and, and do all that kind of stuff or you could build the boat like oh i'm still aware of it but i'm going to build the boat and so i feel like if all of us really tuned into who we are um, and what we're capable of, and we saw something, like you said, you can't do everything, but there might be something that you're called to do that, that feels right to you, you know, and then you go ahead and you, and you put some effort there and you say, you know, like um, let's say it's the inner city schools or something. Maybe, you know, I've done martial arts in the past. Maybe it's like a little martial arts center. Right. And I do something else and like, that's how I do it. But I love martial arts. It makes me happy. I don't have to go fight of all the reasons why this is happening. Although I might be aware of, Hey, you know, you got to stop that. You got to stop that. You got to stop that. Um, if I can't do anything, what I could do is build a solution within that environment. And if more of us thought like that, it might, might create uh, better outcomes. And also, Matthew, if you could, even in your quest for solving and resolving and inspiring people, it starts in your own heart first, in your own passion for yourself. Um, as you uh, nurture the passion for yourself, it, it feels like, you know, the things you can do to solve and resolve and, and participate in and help to redirect come out of you naturally. They come out of your heart naturally. They come out of your response naturally. They're not, there's no force. There's no fight. There's no, you have to get past and you have to get over it. And we got to fight the great fight. It becomes, it feels like it's more, just more expression of love. So we want to, I believe is that we need to always be conscious of where the love is. Always be conscious of that. It's the simple idea is where is the love right now? How am I being loving? How am I being consciously aware of my of the importance of what's really real and that we care for each other and that we can be generous to each other and we can be kind to each other you know that's much more important and you know what i love about this new time of black lives matter and everyone being aware i love seeing everybody out marching for love i think that's beautiful i think it's really a beautiful time we're in right now well, I definitely enjoy the optimism. <laughs> Some of the things that I look into aren't so optimistic, but you definitely make me feel better. You know, I, I agree with all your, you know, your perspectives on things. And I guess the question I'd like to ask is, what do you, what do you share for people as far as maybe like a process to get clear on like how like tools for navigating life because i feel like you've you've boiled it down to a pretty simple process where you're yeah. aware of challenges you're, you're not a head in the sand kind of guy um but you're also connected to your own being and also wanting to make a difference at the same time so do you have like a, yeah a tool I do, or protocol? I do. absolutely my favorite tool 
And I've been taught this forever, but I, it's a wonderful tool that people don't use, but they can have access to at every moment is breath. You know, I am a real believer in, in uh, inhaling, pausing, and exhaling. Inhaling on the count of three or four and exhaling down to zero and your spaciousness. If you're going through some intense emotions are coming on, if, um, if, if your mind is being contracted with something, just a few breaths help to shift you. They help to open things up a bit. And, you get, and your problematic mind becomes, shuts down for a moment. And, and sometimes after just about four or five rounds of just, you know, breath, breathing in, holding, breathing out, and, 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 and ending in zero, it'll shift everything. It'll make you see it very differently. You get out of the fight or flight mode and you get into a more grounded point of view. And then at that point, you know how to react. You, don't, you, know what to, you know how to move. But when you're in your hysterical, problematic mind, and some people stay in that 24 seven, um, but I mean, you can get back to being grounded and remember who you are and realize that the only thing that matters is love. It is a beautiful tool that will shift you moment, in, moment by moment. But, it, but as I said before, this is a lifetime practice. You can't say, I'm going to try this out. <laughs> You've got to really realize that it's all that matters. All that matters is how we relate to ourselves. Because that determines our relationship to the world. Yeah. And when, and when people take on causes to the point where it contracts them, like I did with my schools, I took it on to the point where, you know, I was, I, I, all I did was think night and day as to what I needed to do, what I needed to get over, who I needed to tell off, who, you know, it was just, it was very intense. And um, I realized that all I was doing was recreating a problem over and over and over again. And once I started using my practice, solutions started coming up. I didn't have to bear so much. So it seemed that, that you know, I could be more of a solution when I, since I wasn't bearing it in my heart so much or in my mind so much. And what, uh, was, the, what was the process there for you? Like, what, was there a switch where you would, you would start to notice that you would be going into the bearing it mode and then you would do yes. the Ho'oponopono? Yes, yes. Um, you know, I was fascinated when Joe Vitale talked about uh, the Ho'oponopono. And let me say something to you about Ho'oponopono. You can listen to Joe Vitale, you can go and listen to interviews by Dr. Hulan, which are wonderful. But Ho'oponopono has to be taken into your psyche. You have to dr drill it or, you know, grind it into your, 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 your psyche. And once that's done, it becomes your automatic point of view, your automatic new self-talk. Uh, instead of when I'm confronted with what before would send me into judgmental, uh, um, assessment mode, figure out, understand, reason mode. Now I just, you know, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm feeling this now. There really isn't anything wrong. You know, thank you for the, this awareness. It shifts me. And I, and I do think that in the ancient cultures, not in this modern world where we feel like we have to fix and respond to everything, but in the ancient cultures, our relationship with ourselves, I think, was very important. You know, how we related to ourselves as beings, I think, was very important. I think it, as we've evolved, you know, we start to believe that we have control over things. And in that control, we have to do. So we're doers and we're, you know, and, and it's just become uh, a world that's exhausting. So right now in particular, with all this new awareness about problems and, and pain and, 
and trauma that's existing, we need to stay grounded in ourselves because taking it all on is gonna just wear us out. And it's, we're gonna become much more reactionary and, and less able to see the love. And less able to see the opportunities to love. I agree. Very well put. Sometimes, as you say it, it's like you're talking to me directly because I've been going up and down. I've had my good days and I've had my bad days. Um, but I, I do resonate with that and believe it's true because even when I was uh, younger and I started looking at some things about starvation and human trafficking, that was years and years ago. And if I would have stayed in that uh, bearing it, as you say it, if I would have bared that forever, and I did for a while, I was in depression and it wasn't helpful, um, I wouldn't have been able to create anything also. And in, in the creation, there is, there is good. You can, you can empower people, you know, if like, I don't know, I, I see everything through kind of a martial arts lens, but if you live in a dangerous world or you're in cave times and you learn how to use a spear and you build a strong body, it's less frightening outside. It's a skill set. It's, it's aware that Absolutely. there's lions outside. It's like, yeah. yes, no, Doug did get eaten by a lion. Yes, we did see that. And that was not good. However, we're going to train with this thing now. So just in case you see another yeah, one, you're yeah, going to have yeah. another skill set, right? And we adapt and we grow and, and it goes, we got to go beyond fear because fear is crippling and um, it limits pattern recognition. And like you said, you're going to, uh, you're going to be more reactive and you're going to, that's going to be your state of being. So, yes. and I also think of like the samurai warrior, they would know that they're going to war and the army's approaching. That is a very stressful situation. Everybody, we know the army's approaching. This isn't good, <laughs> you know? And so they would train and they would master themselves. And the greatest master of those armies would be able to sit in the chaos in like centered. You know what I mean? Of knowing what their intention is. Now, that's incredible. And so can we apply that on a micro scale to look for these solutions, to always be aware and open and not afraid, not making reactive decisions because we're being combative with each other. We're being violent and violence comes through fear and ignorance and uh, disillusionment. If you're awakened and open and connected and looking for love and opportunity and adaptation, you're looking to help. You're seeing who wants to help and who wants to collaborate. Who wants to be supportive? On the other side, when you're when you're fear and you're reactive, you're you might be a little bit more destructive. And this is like, hey, you know, there's there's another way to do this. You know, we can do this a different way, and it's going to feel a little bit better, and might might bring us the result that we actually want. You know what? I, I'm also into becoming very aware of emotional energies when they arise. Hmm. You understand what I mean by that, Matthew? When when sometimes uh, we get triggered, and we don't know we've been triggered. We just feel things. And generally, when we feel things, most people, when they start feeling things, they find a story to attach it to. They find what's wrong or, you know, they're, they're, they fall. And often what they're feeling has nothing to do with the story they figured out in their mind to, to get attached to. But if you can learn to have a relationship with your feelings from the standpoint of energy and let go of the story immediately, that energy is going to move. You don't have to bear it all day. It could be something that you feel is, feels intense and just allow it, allow it to move that energy through you without taking it on. Do you know what I, do you understand what I mean by taking it on as a story? Yeah, as yeah, yeah. It, as soon as we give it a story, it's something we got to bear. Yeah, as soon as we give it meaning and that's how we, yes. we, we, we file it in our minds. And, you know, if you look at somebody who has trauma, you know, I'd say this story to my clients a lot. Like, let's say you were, uh, 
um, a kid and you, your dog got run over by a yellow truck, you know, and then maybe 15, 20 years later, um, a, a, someone's going to pick you up on a date in a yellow truck. And you're like, you know, I didn't like that person. They may not remember why. That's how the mind works. Yeah. Your yeah. mind tries to find relationships to, the, to support beliefs. So what you're, so, you know, I, in non-duality, they tell you there's nothing worth believing. Non-duality doesn't believe anything. You're always in the space. You're always aware of beliefs, but you're not clinging to them. Yep. Non-duality is such a freeing practice. You know, Buddhism is non-duality. So it's, it's, it's a way of just staying in your heart, feeling energies as they come up, allowing yourself to express uh, being true to yourself and not getting, out, not getting caught up in stories, being compassionate to whatever energies you're experiencing at that time and not turning them, not, not making them problematic. Yeah. And when you're saying this, what it reminds me of is I use the example sometimes as a teleprompter in your mind. So something happens and you have this teleprompter, but you're not really aware of it. And what an interesting app it would be is if you could look at the thoughts of the teleprompter throughout the day and what lens you're looking through. And that's kind of like the practice of Buddhism and what you're saying here. And so if there, if we did have an app that was a teleprompter, how would you equate or add in the emotional element and what happens in that, um, uh, understanding because we are a lot like computers, you know, because the thought will generate a story which will generate meaning and emotion. And so if we're going around in stress or fear, anxiety, limitation, beating the crap out of ourselves, um, replaying a story in our mind that's not ours to bear. Mike, you know, my, my partner is a kindergarten teacher and, and she goes, some of the kids, they get bags of chips for lunch and it, that's hard. But if she lives in that and is constantly thinking about that kid, you know, she can't, function in her own way she she doesn't struggle with this kind of stuff like i do um, but you know what i mean so if the yeah, but you know what you have a very beautiful heart matthew and it's okay for you to feel all these things just be aware of the stories you tell yourself about them it's beautiful i'm sure you're an empath i'm sure you have a lot of sensitivity and i think empaths in particularly need to be very conscious that they don't take on stories that they allow themselves to feel everything because that's what empaths do but not make it a not make it something that they have to do anything about yeah yeah and so with, with the, well i want to get your opinion on this because it's, it's helping me kind of deepen my level of understanding if the teleprompter is giving me the words and then i'm creating an emotion the body's emoting and that's my state of being right and so in that analogy how would you equate the emotions in there and how we might kind of navigate the triggers of what's happening unconsciously to be aware of them to then input what we would prefer, like a, a more peaceful, calm, uh, harmonious way of being? Well, let me, I, I'm, I'm going to make it real simple for you. Um, there's going to be a thought. Thoughts are always going around. There are always going to be thoughts. Uh, some of them are going to be fun thoughts. Some of them are going to be um, stressful thoughts. Some of them are going to be silly thoughts. Some of them are going to, there's always going to be thoughts. That's what the mind does, always comes up with thoughts. Not until we turn them into a belief is when we suffer. So if we can just allow thoughts to come and go, then the beliefs are what generate the emotional response. You know, once we believe something, we, we want to call it true. And once we call things true, our mind wants to go out into the world and find proof of it. And if we can stay out of that drama, out of the drama of proving our beliefs, we can stay out of suffering altogether. And that doesn't take away our heart 
connection with other people and what they're experiencing, what they're going through. We just don't have to bear it any longer. We can, there, there's a book I just finished that was really interesting. I think, therefore I lie. I think, therefore I lie. The, the writer, his name is Warren something. Great book. And he has an inquiry practice that he, um, that he promotes where, you know, use how to deal with thoughts. Because that's where the problem starts, in thoughts. And self-aware people are always examining their thoughts. And they're, not, and they're choosing not to believe them. So Matthew, I think that as you evolve, you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to not do anything. But as you evolve, just become aware of your relationship to your thoughts. And really realize, Matthew, there really isn't anything true. The mind wants to believe it's true. But once you if you accept it as true, then you have to work, you have to you have to work with it. You have to bear it. You have to fix it. You have to respond to it. But if you can allow yourself to be aware that thoughts are going to come and go and that you, there's nothing that you have to do anything about most of them, you're free. You're truly free. And that's the goal, man. That's the real goal is to just get out of your own way and stay in your heart and be vulnerable and be okay with feeling intense thoughts, feeling intense energies. You know, I, as I said before, I th I'm feeling that you're an empath. So I know for sure empaths feel things in such an intense way. But empaths in particularly need to learn and master the letting go of thoughts and not clinging to them with stories. Yeah, absolutely. I think all that's, again, helpful for me personally. So this is fantastic. Um, so what would you say? I'm reading a, a book right now a friend recommended to me. It's called uh, Busting Loose from the Money Game. And it's a very spiritual book around, um, you know, finances. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm reading also Bridging uh, Science and Spirit by Dr. Nisha Manik. And she does, uh, sh she was on the podcast and she did research with uh, Dr. William Tillerman, who I'd never heard of. It's referenced in this book I'd never heard of. And, they, and she's saying the same thing as like, you're the original consciousness. You're creating everything. And so those stories um, will come up and your reticular activating system will turn on so you can find proof of whatever that belief is, whatever that story is. And so I agree with what you're saying. And one of the things that... Uh, he shares in this book, he goes, you know, when you get that limiting thing about money or abundance, right? He, he, he doesn't say the Oponopono practice, but something similar. He goes, come back to the truth that you're, you're a creator, that you're creating that thing. And so I like the idea that you're taking responsibility for whatever you're experiencing in your life. I feel like a distinction between a quote unquote awakened person is they have to take responsibility for every single thing in their lives because if they Absolutely. don't, they're not going to be able to shift it, change it, transform it, modify it in any way. And so when we want to get closer to the truth, let's say um, we have these limiting beliefs, but do we, do you move toward installing like the positive ones of like being an infinite creator and, and, fully taken care of or do you just let that go and you don't even try to install positive yeah, I don't, ones? I don't believe in finding a better belief. I believe as though we al allow our mind to express uh, the emotions that come up. But I don't, I'm, I'm not a person that, because I believe as though if we find, try to find a better belief to hang our hats on, there's always going to be a shadow to that. There's always going to be a shadow to that better belief. So the best thing to do is just not try to find any belief at all. And just be free in your heart and feel good about yourself and feel good about uh, who you are and um, 
relate to yourself in a compassionate way, but it's finding a better story. You know, I, I, I was a student of law of attraction too for a while. And law of attraction really is into this concept of, you know, um, uh, finding a, a, a vibrational match uh, to what you believe. Uh, and I, you know, I think that when we tell our minds to believe things or to see things a certain way, I think our mind is always going to get caught up in that, okay, well, I, what about this and what about that? I don't trust that anymore. I don't trust the workings of my mind to the point where I'm going to depend on it to set my agenda. I'm just not. I'm going to trust my heart to set my agenda because that's true to me. How I really, how, I, how I'm feeling is true to me. What my mind comes up with is often just another story. And even if, it's, even if it feels better for a moment, uh, the story we come up with, even if it feels better for a moment, there's always a shadow that'll come out of that. And then we have to bear that if we're believing things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a very interesting take on it. And I, I definitely hear some, you know, feels it feels true. Um, <laughs> so I, I, the question that I'd have is how do I apply that in a way that if maybe I want to create, like as a creator to express, maybe I want to get better at skateboarding. So if I believe I can be, I can be better at skateboarding. Maybe and I want to create a bit, a bit more financial prosperity so I can go out West and go snowboarding with my daughter. So <laughs> how do I, how do I, well, you know, I, 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 I think it comes from your passion. You know, if your heart is open and your passion is telling me, I want to be the best snowboarder in the world because I'm feeling that it's in me and that's what I should be expressing. then that's just go with it. You know, your heart is telling you to do it. Your body is, is, is open for it. So you're going to um, express what your heart's desire is. Um, if your heart's desire is to um, change um, human trafficking in this country, and that's your passion, then you go with it. You go with it 100%. You align behind how, that can, how you can affect it, how you can participate in making it more loving and more, you know, more consciously aware on the planet. Um, but you don't have to take on everything. You take on what you're supposed to take on. Sometimes our mind, you know, a lot of minds get very caught up into conspiracies and this is wrong and that is wrong. <laughs> that can wear you out. You know, I have, I have a very intelligent, uh, beautiful wife, uh, but she's a thinker. And she's always, you know, figuring stuff out and anticipating this. And, and you know, I listen to her mind sometimes. And... And I ask her questions. I say, well, is that true? Do you know that for sure? And I think because I don't judge her for having that very active, overreactive mind, you know, she ends up saying, well, you know, you're right. None of this is true anyway. You know, she usually settles back in the heart. And, you know, I guess I just need to be open. And, and I, I think that's beautiful. I don't have to correct her. I don't have to tell her what she's believing isn't true. I just have to create the space for her to see it a little differently. And yeah, when you... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, and know that, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, her and I are the same thing. We're both conscious awareness. She's, when I look at her and I see her in her story, I, I've been in my stories before. I've been caught up in my stuff. Uh, so I can be very compassionate of that. And I don't have to judge her for it, but I know that if I just create the space for her to see it differently and for me to be different in it, you know, there's an opportunity for awareness and, ev and an evolution. And I think that's what we're supposed to do for each other. Not try to teach each other how to see it differently, but how to be aware of our own feelings about it. You know, some people, you ever ask somebody a question and they, about how they feel and they start telling you a story? You know, how does that feel? And they say, oh, well, this happened. I say, no, 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 no. How do you feel? How, does, how did that feel? 
And it's very difficult for people to get to the truth. The truth is that that point is how you feel. That's the truth. And if you can express that, oh my God, does it open things up. You know, people want to tell you a story quick and stories aren't the truth, but how you feel is, you feel me? Hmm. Whatever that emotional state you're in right now is your truth. It's not wrong, it's not right, it's not good, it's not bad, but it is what is. And you don't have to reject it. You don't have to call it, you don't have to get rid of it. You just have to be aware, allow it. But once you allow it, it gives it a chance to move. But if you take it on, then it's stuck in you as a truth. And that's, that's when you have to bear it. That's a really, really interesting distinction. Um, I, and I love it. You know, when you're sharing that example, it reminds me of the idea of just removing resistance. So you're following your feelings and, you know, your, your inspirations, your intuitions and what your body is, you know, enjoying and wanting to create as a natural infinite being that has an ability to create and all the other stuff is resistance. And even if you look at law of attraction, uh, the Bible, spiritual teachings is like asking it is given. Um, the challenge is your mind and the way that you operate naturally has got all these stories and resistances. Yes. So it seems like your main um, teaching is you're going at the resistance, which is constant. It's not a one and done. It's like, Hey, come to my therapy class or to my meditation and, and you will never think again. It will all be hunky dory and it'll be perfect. You know, I've, I've searched for that pill and I feel like you have too, and it doesn't exist. It's a never ending process, but if you can find something, you know, beautiful, you can come back to, you can limit that resistance. So your way of being and your expression in the planet and your, uh, life is just unfolding in a different way with less resistance. And so yeah, you, that's a beautiful way to articulate it, Matthew. That is really, really beautiful. I hear you. Cool. Awesome. Well, this is, this has been really beautiful. I want to respect your time. Um, is there anything that you wish that I had asked you or is there anything you'd love to discuss before we, we end this episode? Well, I want to leave people with the concept that suffering is optional. There really isn't anything that we have to suffer in. We just need to change our relationship with ourselves. I want to leave you with that thought that suffering is not uh, required. It's not essential. It's not um, a truth. We don't have to suffer. We just have to change our relationship with how we relate to ourselves. And that's the, the day by day, moment by moment, uh, becoming self-aware. Okay. And the how is the Ho'oponopono? So I see something I don't like, I resist it and I'm suffering. That's happened to me. And it's happening to a lot of people that I know right now. I would, start, very I, would different. Start, I would start with, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for believing that any of this is true. Please forgive me the believing that, you know, I'm anything other than conscious awareness. Please forgive me for bearing all the, um, the stories in my mind. Uh, thank you for this awareness. I love you. I love you. I love you is often a relationship with our inner child. It's dealing with our inner child woundedness. And when we can go back and, and reconnect with that inner child and that woundedness, we can open our point of view in tremendous ways because we're not bearing that, 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 that wound so much. So one of the th great things about Ho'oponopono is that it really is a practice of relating to your woundedness, your inner woundedness, your inner child woundedness. And once you change that relationship, your inner child becomes your supporter. 
and you're no longer suppressing him and disidentifying with him and, and trying to control him or contain that inner child. You're just, you know, you're allowing and you're allowing him to express himself and not judge him. And that's a beautiful way of being. You know, our, all of us have a um, uh, and wounded inner child, all of us. And what I mean by that is that we don't necessarily, not every one of us has been abandoned and abused as child, but we have circumstances in our childhood which altered our point of view. And often we're still stuck in that same moment. It could have happened at 12 when you didn't get the uh, shoes you were expecting for Christmas, you know, and you went into trauma mode and you felt like, you know, you were, um, you know, you were uh, betrayed. I mean, there's all, you know what I'm saying? The mind is capable of creating all kinds of wild stories and we bear them our whole lives. But if you can go back in and re-nurture some of those relationships with your innocence, it makes your life so open. You know, I, um, and you know, maybe we can talk about this during another podcast, but I had some wounds as a child that I had to become aware of them and not get rid of them because you never get rid of anything. But in your relationship with yourself, you, you change bearing them any longer. You just become aware that you have some propensities or that you have, your mind can easily get caught up in things. And you, and you go back at your whole opponent, please forgive me, please forgive me. You know, um, that's kind of my, been my practice. Beautiful. Well, all of this has been really wonderful. I've, I've really enjoyed your perspectives and, and your teachings because, uh, you know, I believe them to be true, um, just not easily applied all the time well, like you said it's a practice matthew i want i want you to correct that because when you say it's not easily done your mind is saying that right mm. your mind yep. is saying that. what if it is easy i like that i prefer that yeah what if, <laughs> exactly what if this is easy what if developing an intimate relationship with yourself really isn't hard at all it just requires attention constant visual attention on yourself that's much better. And, and it's true because I know of people who have done extraordinary things with that idea. It is, it is possible to literally change your whole way of being in an instant. I remember this person telling me, uh, I was, it was actually a Burning Man story, but uh, he goes, my, he was a twin brother really close. And he said, um, my brother's an extraordinary person. He goes, he, he was stressed out. He has a successful business. He's a young entrepreneur and he was stressed out at the house. And he goes, you know what? I'm never going to be stressed out again. And he goes, this was like, he said like four years ago. He's like, I've never seen him stressed out since. And I've, and that story has always stuck with me on, on what's possible. And so I appreciate that uh, distinction and not let me get away with saying that. <laughs> That's so why nice. you're here. One thing I just want to say, I have a book coming out in January uh, called uh, Uncovering and Embracing Soul Power. And I'm very much looking forward to people and getting their feedback on it. And I think it's going to be very transformative. It incorporates my story uh, with my non-dual point of view and, it, and how I relate to the whole Ponopono, which is the, the book. Beautiful. Well, that's a little ways away. So when it comes out, we'll have to get you back on the show so we can remind the that. audience to dive a little bit deeper. And uh, yeah, I'll, and if people want to find out more about you, did you, did you give your website? Yes. Is it Edward Miller? Absolutely. Soultransync.com. That's S-O-U-L-T-R-A-N-S-Y-N-C. One word.com. And I'm also on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook. So I'm all over the place if you want to find out more about my practices. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and work. This has been a, a pleasure and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you, Matthew. Okay. Take care. See you guys. 
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Edward Miller. I hope that you enjoyed this show. And if you did, please share it as far as you can everywhere. All the socials tag me. It helps, especially when you're getting banned. Uh, sign up for the email list so we can stay connected and go to linktree forward slash Matt Belair to find all my links to Telegram group, things like that. If you're curious about and want to engage in following and finding out your life purpose, as well as mixing that with the best spirituality, peak performance mindset techniques, check out the soul compass course that is included in the academy for now uh, soon i'm going to be making it its own course and it'll be much more expensive than it is right now and also the quantum heart hypnosis experience and guided experiences are coming out very shortly i'm going to be doing a special launch offer uh, it's a very 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 powerful experience and i'm really excited so make sure you get uh stay up to date at mattbelair.com to find out about those release dates because i'm figuring out all the back-end stuff that goes with it and getting closer every day uh so thank you guys for listening uh thank you all my patrons thank you for all of you guys who have left a review and shared i sincerely appreciate you in these challenging times and uh sending you all of my love and appreciation and respect and uh have an amazing day so we'll close it out by coming into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath And let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, compassion, contentment, enthusiasm, courage, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.